Hello, Dave. What's going on? We're in Footscray. We are. We well, said in to be precise. No, this is Footscray. Is it? What's the boundary? Uh, oh, said in station, not in... I think the boundary is basically we're like... People decided that Footscray no longer... They wanted to live somewhere fancier than Footscray, so they made up Seddon. Oh, you see, I don't know anything about the West, so is Seddon fancier than Footscray? Yeah, a little bit. Right. It, it definitely gets a little less racially diverse and right, a lot okay. wider. The um, number of coffee machines in Seddon now and cafes, I mm-hmm. think there's probably more than people. Wow. It uh, seems like uh, fragile economics, but I'm not going to uh, argue with your facts. And they are facts. Hmm. I don't now, we would... We could do this under the guise that we're here to celebrate the Western Bulldogs' big vi- victory in the... Uh, How bloody good. Yep. As a dog supporter, Where were, very you, were good. you at home watching it? No, I was in Shepparton. Oh, right. Okay. Um, How many people were there? Just my uh, in-laws. And were they like... Were they into into it? Yeah, they were. Um, like, it wasn't a... It's not a huge footy family. Like, what, like what, what I'm getting at, for such a spectacle and such a great game and moment, was the energy right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, everyone is swept up in the energy. Man, woman, and child, really. Surely, yeah. Uh, and look, Emma made some homemade pies. Hello. Uh, I had some delicious beers from Dan Murphy's and, and Shepparton. Shout out to them for having some good beers. Oh, hooking you up. What was your um, selection for the game? Uh, I had a Founders All Day IPA. That'll do nicely. Uh, some couple of Moo Brew single hop tins. And a sneaky Otrevez from uh, Sierra Nevada. Gee, that's a good beer. Yeah, I know, right? And to get them at Dan Murphy's in Shepparton, that's ridiculous. I don't know why people are complaining about too many IPAs when uh, that kind of variation is what that's led us to. Anyway, that's a whole different podcast. Do you want to do some news? Sure. Do you want to tease what's coming up? I'd love to do a bit of a tease. We do? Yeah, definitely. Okay, cool. I didn't hear what you said. It'll, it'll keep the people listening for um, longer. So uh, the main segment of the show was us at White Rabbit. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. I enjoyed White Rabbit a lot. Yeah, it was really enjoyable. I really liked, um, uh, I really, really liked um, Jeremy. Uh, he's just a fun guy. He is. He's yeah. a nice guy. And the dual venues of White Rabbit and Little Creatures, great. Yeah, it's like... If you if you didn't walk between the two venues, you probably wouldn't realise that they're side by side. They're yeah. very very different. Um, and you know the the I, first time I'd been out there, and I guess I'd go back again. Yeah. Uh, I don't I don't I don't buy heaps of the little creatures or white rabbit products, but I enjoyed the space and yeah, definitely. Great. We um, got to try a few little sneaky samples of a few sneaky things. Chatting to Rin Blackman from Blackman's Brewery mm-hmm. down there. He was saying he definitely thinks that their presence has helped beer uh, within Geelong. Oh, I see. And do you think just the general awareness? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, right. Um, and I guess on that, I had I've got down on the news list that he's just opened his own venue in Geelong. Oh, nice. Uh, kind of a Blackman's Bar. They're trying to sort of revitalise or, or bring to life uh, a precinct in Geelong, and and yeah, part of that's going to be a Blackman's Bar, or it's just opened this week. Uh, so that's awesome. So good signs. Like it's worth a trip to Geelong for. Check for out sure. some of that. And yeah, we had a great day. Uh, anyway, listen to more more of that. Yeah, um, stay tuned for that also. If you what did you think of the dog days? Some recommendations. Um, After we talked so about it. Yeah, so I hadn't had it before we went to the event. Because we were there for the... We used an excuse. Um, we went for the can launch of the dog days beer. Yeah. And we used that as an excuse summer to beer. go down and talk to White Rabbit. Yeah. Um, 
and I hadn't had it before before that because it's been in bottles around town for a little while. Uh, and your good self and who else was it that was talking it down? Probably can't say on microphone. Right. Somebody else that we were talking to possibly <laughs> prior to that um, didn't really set it up as a delicious beer that I want to have. Yeah. So um, the bar was set pretty low for me and it pro- and the beer really outperformed my expectations. That's good. Uh, it wasn't. That doesn't mean it was wonderful. Yep. Uh, I reckon half a can is perfect. the perfect amount of that beer. I think it smells... It's a big aroma, really good. It smells uh, amazing. Yeah, but it kind of just dies mid-palate. Yeah. I think it'll find a market. I think it's probably yeah, a market for sure. for that. Yeah, for sure. And that, I mean, if you're putting that up against stuff like Coronas and this and that... Even, and look, to be honest, even Mountain Goat Summer Ale for me, it's probably... I don't love Mountain Goat Summer Ale, mm-hmm. and I know... I'm probably in the minority. Um, I, I enjoy it, and just like I enjoyed Dog Days. If, sure. If I'm outside and someone gives me a can, yeah, let's let's drink it. Absolutely. Um, and it wasn't... Okay, he might, this might be a good endorsement. It wasn't um, boring enough that when we kept getting given cans for free, yep. I wasn't not having them. Yeah, yeah. By, by like two cans, I've forgotten what I was drinking. Yeah, was, sure. Was and we were there. chatting with good people and yeah. this and that. So it was a good day, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, and I, to be honest, I'd definitely go back. For sure, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> just for a nice, nice visit to a brewery, um, and also, oh, I mean, we we got to try some sneaky samples. Yes, of a few things, which I don't know. It's probably we probably can talk about them because they'll never be released to the public. But yeah, fun sort of things like the unblended version of the. Uh, I think we talked about that on microphone. Did on we the, in the interview? Yeah. All oh, right. Fair enough. Uh, well, it was a week stay ago. Stay tuned so for that. Fair, yeah. yeah, true. Um, any? What was your highlight beer of the day? Uh, highlight beer of the day was either the what was the Berliner Weiss called? Teddy Witter. Teddy Witter. Yeah. Um, or the whiskey sour version of that, mm. which was just a whiskey barrel. Was that all it was? Yeah. Whiskey barrel. Yeah. Starwood Teddy Witter. Yeah. Which again we talk about with the interview. Um, yeah. What Teddy Witter for me was yeah was delicious. Great. I'd, I'd love that. I'd just drink all that day. in pints happily. Yeah. If it was a Teddy Witter launch rather than a Dog Days launch, I would have been much Put that happier. one in cans. Yeah. I can't remember if we asked, asked Jeremy about that. Anyway. I think I said that and it sort of sparked a flame underneath him. Yeah, so, um, yeah. Um, yeah, really good chat, so stay tuned. Yeah, very enjoyable. What else is going on? Oh, I had something related to that, actually. Oh, yeah, speaking of Mountain Goat, it's their 19th birthday today. Today. Happy birthday, Mountain Goat. Happy birthday, indeed. They're, uh, I'm pretty sure they're re-releasing the Pepperberry Black IPA. The Are they re-releasing it or re-brewing it? Re-brewing it, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I think it's going on tonight as like a one-off. Uh, so oh, I didn't realise it was already I think so, done. yeah. Oh, yeah. Fair um, I was chatting to the PR person today and she said that was going on but wasn't saying what it was. Oh, okay. But um, I mean... With, well, sorry, saying it was going on without saying what it was. But yeah, yeah. But um, I don't know what I mean. I mean, if you've kept one eye on the industry in the last few years and they put a cryptic post about an Pepper old favourite with pepperberries, then I think you know what's going on. And I'd be keen to... T- Taste that again, because I mean, it was such a sensation at the time. I wonder what it. T- I mean, I'm sure it's tastes the same. I wonder if we perceive it any different. I feel like I'm just being contrarian about everything today. I don't remember loving it at the time. Right. I remember enjoying it, but I remember Dark Harvest came out at the same time. Oh right, and that with was McCaller and Bridge Road, uh, and that was yeah, that was lovely. I can still like that beer still has a really strong memory of with me um, of this really unique flavour and I haven't actually tried the, the very brews of that uh, of Dark Harvest yeah it's just it, I mean I maybe it's just because we were like, less developed palates but I have memories of 
the first Dark Harvest being the best one that I can remember. Yeah, okay. Because for a long time, I was getting all the vintages in the posse packs when I was getting them delivered. Um, and he, like he, Ben's not trying to rebrew the same beer every year. He's doing yeah. What he, so what uh, he, yeah. So I don't know. Is he changing the? the yeah, he's changing. Like we've had a couple that have been a bit more malty, a bit more hoppy, but just the memory of it. Maybe just because it wasn't a heap of belting black IPAs around that um, it stuck out. But uh, I'd be keen to taste that pepperberry though. I remember we had it really late on, like at one of the someone's birthday. Perhaps. Oh yeah, we had a uh, Was like it Amanda's a, birthday. Yeah, we actually ended up having a, a dark harvest and a pepperberry that day. Oh and right, it was maybe six months. Almost a year after they were first brewed, I think. Oh, I thought it was a lot longer than that for the pepperberry. No, no, oh, wasn't it was, um, would have been like February that right. The Maybe year I had after. it after that somehow. I don't know. Anyway, uh, digression. Now, speaking of Bridge Road, they are releasing their Mayday series yeah. next week, uh, which is the 100% Brett fermented pale, yeah, um, which is coming out of the fooders, which is kind of fun. I'm not like enamored with the idea of 100% Brett Pales. Why not? I would much rather a clean fermented pale ale finished with Brett. I don't love the Brett character of 100% Brett beers. Okay. As much as I do of just like finishing um, characters, I think it just gets a little bit, yeah. I think, yeah, for me it depends on the strain of Brett, for sure. Um, It gets a bit overbearing sometimes, as much as I love it. But I think, yeah, yeah, you're definitely right. Yeah. But, you know, you can get some Brett, and I can't remember which strain is which, uh, that finishes a lot cleaner than others. Yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, I, that's not even as much as what, what my enjoyment is. I just like um, the actual, f- I mean, again, I don't even really understand which uh, str- uh, strains that I love either, but the, br- the flavor in the Brett character, I like that more when it's a finishing yeah. yeast rather than a fermenting yeast. Uh, anyway, that was boring, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on quickly. Sure. Um, so there's this beer writer, um, Lars Garshol. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. There's probably an accent there. He writes a lot about Lithuanian farmhouse beers, Norwegian farmhouse beers. Um, you probably mentioned him on the podcast. What's going on in Lithuania? Oh, he's talking about some ridiculous beers. Really? Yeah, just crazy, crazy. How do you get some? Go read his blog. If you're a home brewer or interested in anything farmhousey, I'll put a link to his blog. It's fascinating, and I can't do it justice with what I'm with, with what I could. Fair talk enough. About. Um, very intelligent dude, and he's just written a book. And the reason I mention it, it is, his local library. He normally requests them to get brewing books in and farmhouse brewing books, right. in, European kind of and that related. And they saw his book come up, not realizing it was his. Ordered it for him, rang him up, and said, "Oh." Beautiful. This book's coming. What uh, a beautiful story. Like, yeah. Look I reckon the, um, I might be across the content. Yeah. We actually did them look in the thank yous, and they were thank you in the book. Oh, I love it. Um, so that's, that's like a nicely, tightly wrapped up story. Yeah. yeah. Good good stuff. And um, yeah, I don't know if it's available in Australia or anything. How do you spell his surname for those punters at home? G-A-R-S-H-O-L. There's probably an accent in there. I'll put a link. Fascinating, fascinating blog. It, look, to be honest, it's... Is there an umlaut involved in somewhere? There'll be one oh, okay, somewhere, yeah. Um, it's probably the best beer blog in the world. I'm going to say it, hands down. Quite it's, a, it's quite the, a claim. It's so fascinating. Um, from things we absolutely love to things that I don't love so much. Go on. Brewdog. Did you see their latest marketing stunt? Did not. What happens? Oh, my God. 
I, th- I don't know if this is genuine, but basically they've um, they're claiming that the Elvis Elvis estate is suing them. Okay. For their Elvis juice, or or like taking legal action, cease and desist over their Elvis juice name. Okay, what's the what's the grounds for that? Because using the word Elvis. Um, Surely I, that's I don't not know correct. if yeah, I, okay. I, I 100% no, because it's a 99% sure they've made that up. But as part of the stunt, they've officially changed their names to Elvis. Oh my god, it's so annoying. Yeah. Anyway, but it's good beer. Is it? Yeah. Have you had it? I don't even know what it is. No. Oh, it's like a grapefruit IPA. Oh, okay. Um, I don't doubt it. Uh, but I bet that stunt works though. Yeah, people like it. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on. Um, now we're at, as we said, Hop Federation. Did we say not Hop Federation? Hop Nation. Hop Nation. Yeah. Oh damn it! Sorry, I always get them oh, confused. I always do it as well. Yeah. Um, and they, you're drinking the the chop, the chop, which it's is they're kind of fusiony IPA, but it's a, a new breed of the hazy East Coast style, Northeast Coast style IPA. Um, and Three Ravens are about to release one as well. Nice. There's a few popping up actually. Yeah. yeah. Three Ravens have used the London Ale Three Yeast. Which is the same yeast that I think, um, oh, off the top of my head, I can't remember who uses London Ale Three. I just, just sorry to derail you there, but like, I really enjoyed you specifying from the top of the from the top of your head. You can't remember. Yeah, it's like <laughs> I, I think it might be Trillium or Tree House or Tide. One of the T's. Right. Okay. Use that one for sure, and I think it's the same as the Conan yeast that the Alchemist use. But oh god, don't quote me on that. Don't don't tell me if I'm wrong. Um, yeah, but we are at Hop Nation, just doing a little. Uh, we sort of throw up a few places to wander in, and then I have had like the first brew of. I don't think it was called the Chop. Their first incantation of the. No, it was called whatever. It yeah, was. whatever it was. The, anyway, um, I like had a sip of that, and that planted a seed in my brain. That had probably what five weeks ago that was around that beer um, that I haven't been able to shake until they re- started to rebrew it, which I think is now going to become a regular beer. I think they're brewing it as we speak. They are, yes. Um, but it's they call it the chop because it's like a bit of a mishmash of West Coast and East Coast IPA, and it's just absolutely delicious. So for those I don't know too much about them, basically the the, the main. Uh, goal of those beers is to leave the um, hop oils in suspension, hopping throughout fermentation to uh, create biotransformation of hop oils. It's the science behind that. Uh, a lot of people unhappy with how a lot of these beers look. I think we've talked about them in the past, whatever. I've yeah. put, written about it on my blog. Um, but the results are fucking good. Yeah, like absolutely. There's definitely something different about that beer. No doubt about it. Compared to any yeah. other IPA I've had. Yeah. Um, or, uh, beers locally anyway, yeah. yeah. Uh, so... Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for more of them to come out. I was, I was saying to you before we came on mic that um, I really dislike the term, the descriptor juicy for this kind of beer, but it's exactly what it is though, yeah. Juicy, I think, is becoming the new uh, pun related I don't know word what that means. in terms of like, instead of, you know, saying optimum or using hop as a pun. Oh, I see. Uh, and then dank it's got started being used for a while as a pun. And I think juicy is going to start being thrown in as a play or, or sort of plays on that. that sort of limited though, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> I mean, you looked at how ridiculous they made the term hop and like. No, but I mean like there's a, there's a lot of directions you can go in with the actual word hop. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah. 
the amount that the the breweries stretch that so oh thinly, yeah don't worry about you know, it they can, they can oh i don't say that i'm not going to say that it's not going to be used widely yeah, i just yeah. think there's probably <laughs> less ways you can go yeah there's a doggy in the brewery yeah he looks pretty happy as well he does because there's a lot of smells i think he's in his element i've got will's article down we've talked about Will's yeah yeah right to the crafty pint did we know oh, I must have been off mic of course yeah um and he wrote a really good arg- article about Oktoberfest I think we should get him on for a show yeah we should get him on um th- well this is our f- open invitation to you then to come on and have yeah. a chat about we're history. not going to reach out to you um privately no. so this is a test if you listen to the show yeah. respond if you want to be a guest um and, and yeah, you listeners know. will know if you don't see him in the next like half dozen shows you can send him hate mail if you want. I mean, if you want. Um, he does a lot of a lot of work and uh, a lot of research into history. He's a history historyman. He loves his history. I've got S A B Miller written down. They no longer exist. What happened? Bought out by A B and Bev. Really? Does that make it a monopoly? I think they have like thirty-three percent of the global beer market now. Right. Gee, Which is less than I thought, to be honest. It, oh. Yeah, I guess so. But when you think about England, I guess, so much volume goes through there. I sort of thought that... Um, cause I think what are the major breweries in England? I think they put through a hell of a lot of volume. Uh, okay. Yeah, Can't I think know. of what it is. Anyway. Maybe we can do a snappy edit and put some really, really hot uh, information oh, here. Or we can I move on to the next I thing. I think our lack of knowledge and interest in... It's not breweries. a bad indica- indicator. Like, yeah. We can tell you what yeast is going in a new IPA. We can't tell you who sells the most beer because fuck, it. I don't, I don't care. I'm going to delete that one. I don't like that one. Deleting another one. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I'm doing an article about cans for beer and brewer. What are the, what's the direction you've been given? Uh, look, I don't know. My deadline's Monday, so I'm flailing a bit. But two little tidbits which I think are interesting, and I thought I'd mention um, the three sixty lid that Colonial have on their cans. Or only on the small. What do they call it? I think they used to call it 360 lid, don't they? 360 lid. Yeah. Right. So basically, you rip it off and it's like it like takes the whole like yeah. uh, end of the can off. Yeah. Um, they can't sell that in South Australia. Right. What's because the law? Because of the 10 percent recycling thingo. You know, the 10 cents recycling thingo. Oh, it's less aluminium. Yeah, is yeah. That so what it is, right? They're not getting the whole vessel back. I see. Uh, who so who could have like foreseen that? Oh, crazy, yeah. right? Um, the other interesting thing I came across was that Mornington Peninsula only sell pale in cans in Queensland. Queensland market doesn't want pale in bottles; they want it all in cans. So that's what they sell up there. Wow! I mean, like I get, I get that, yeah. but like, I mean, like it's kind of crazy. Uh, so, but what about all the breweries that don't have that facility? They obviously. Don't do as well in that market. I guess but not. But is it for them? He's saying for them. Um, this is Matt, the general mal- manager. There's just no point. Yeah, doing they just said that's what the, the distro wants, and that's what the market wants. Fair so. enough. So that's a couple um, of interesting things. Do you do you tackle the world of cannibals in your article? I'll touch on cannibals. Yeah, not super super in depth. Because um, it's kind of an interesting delivery method, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that to to go into that in depth would probably be a whole new article. About article that, in that itself. Yeah, sure. I think. Uh, maybe I'll pitch it. Um, Great American Beer Festival's on. As we speak, right? Yeah. A lot of people from Australia are over there at the moment. Who is? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> one of the interesting things about that is there was an article in Good Beer Hunting and also the Denver Post, I think, was the oh original yeah? source of this. 
a lot of breweries are going to Denver for the, the event, but not actually going to the event. So they're going to oh, get so they're going to capitalize off the people that are going to Denver. Yeah, going yeah. Is it always in Denver? Yeah, I think right, so. Right, okay. So, so the reasoning behind that is... What a, a great l- idea, though. Yeah, like, so yeah, there's a lot happening for, you know... Um, There'd be hundreds of events, I would imagine. Yeah, and so for a smaller niche brewery to turn up and pay the entry fee and pay whatever to be there, they're better off hosting one or two small events, sort of like a dinner or a tasting, and get a captive audience. Um, and I can definitely see that with para- parallels of say Good Beer Week and um, Gabs. Sure. Where, you know, just, well, already just being around that yeah. festival is, is enough for, and there's a cost involved. And um, yeah, for some breweries it might not work to, to be at a massive place. Sure. Especially if you think about Gabs. Yeah, Gabs, I mean, that's essentially a There's a lot of context for that sort of event and some people don't really meet it. Um, that's kind of interesting, yeah. Uh, last one, Tallboy and Moose. Yeah, in, in Preston. Preston, yeah. Uh, new brew pub first out that way in Preston. Not too far from both Carwin Cellars and uh, Three Ravens. Yep. I think we're probably going to do a bit of a show to visit all three at some point. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But it's a, it's probably a, a decent walk between all three or a very easy Uber. For sure. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, it's a reasonable looking triangle though when you look at it on a map. So... Um, I'm pretty keen to check it out. Yeah, things happening yeah. Out, out that way. Uh, Depreston no more. De, de, Depreston, as in de Is that something? It's a Courtney Barnett song, I think. Oh, is it? It's probably a thing before that, but it's a good song. It's a good song. I was at a Ports? Drones gig a few months ago, and they had some backing singers, and my mate goes, the Drones are so legit that they can just ask Courtney Barnett to... Be a backup vocalist, and she just does it. It yeah. was the tote, so it was a like tiny, grimy yeah, gig, yeah. and I was like, "Wow, I didn't even realize that was Courtney by now." It wasn't. It was just some backing singer. <laughs> um, I nah, it's okay. not, it's not important. Right. <laughs> so I got four things I was going to say. None of them are okay. Yeah, but we have a break. We throw to um, our good selves at White Rabbit, yep. and then we'll see you guys later with a couple of recommendations. We should one day do like a trick, like. And coming up, we've got Dave and Luke, and then like us in the past are like. Can we go? Thanks, Dave and Luke. Thanks, Dave and yeah. Luke. <laughs> Next show for sure. Yeah. yeah. Welcome to White Rabbit, Dave. How are you? Good. You were just saying how much you you like this space. Yeah, yeah, I do. I was just. Comparing it to the creature space next door, it's kind of um, a little bit more just relaxed and uh, you can see more of the production facility. It's just, I don't know, it's like for next door neighbours, it's quite a little contrast. It is, um, yeah, it feels like a little boutique-y kind of mm. spot for it and there's some, I can see some cheese and things in the background. Uh, it feels really nice and we'll bring in, I guess, the, the head brewer of, of what, uh, White Rabbit, Jeremy House. How's it going? Very good, thank you. Uh, did you have a hand in building this space or, or in, I guess how it looks? Oh, I had a little bit to do with it. Uh, yeah, more so on the production side of things and how the brew out of the layout of the brewery. Uh, but the hospitality space, uh, we had some professionals come in and do it. I would have probably just put some pallets on the ground. But <laughs> like, like every brewery, <laughs> pallets in a warehouse. That's it, absolutely. So no, the guys have done a really good job on this, uh, where we're sitting in the hospitality bar area. 
Um, but yeah, I guess my most of my involvement was on the other side of the little fence there uh, with all the, the stainless steel bits and pieces. Now, White Rabbit, for those people that don't know, I guess, has always kind of been the seen as the little creature's little brother or, or sort of offshoot. Yeah, um, little sister, maybe. Little sister. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, moved from Hillsville, started in Hillsville here in, in Victoria, then moved to, to Geelong. Um, some people weren't too happy with that. Um, but it's given you guys a, a lot of opportunity to, to play, right? Oh, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, it's, it's really opened things up for us in what we can do. Uh, we were very limited by space in Hillsville. Uh, which we've got a, a lot more space here in this uh, facility and really a lot of it was about people listening can't see but the barrel area that we've got uh, which uh, already seems to be too small but uh, you know we'll, we'll work around that. Um, how would you describe White Rabbit I guess it started off with the white in the dark and, and you've, have you always been part of White Rabbit? I started at White Rabbit in July 2009 so it was probably three months after the first bruise of what was back then uh, White Rabbit Ale. Um, we were just a brewery we were designed to make one beer. Uh, well, and what was that? That was the white? That was the Dark Ale. The Dark? Yeah. It yeah. Uh, wasn't called Dark Ale back then it was a month or so later I think after I'd started that uh, we decided, you know, we'd call it dark ale, and that was when we were thinking about bringing the white ale into the uh, portfolio. What was it called prior to that? Just white rabbit ale. Just white rabbit ale. Fair <laughs> enough. I remember when it cast my mind back when it first launched, and a dark ale on the market was it's rare in Australia. And very challenging time too. It was 2009. Uh, we just had the big bushfires through out in the Yarra Valley. You know, we're at the end of a, a very long drought. Uh, and yeah, so trying to sell people an open fermented dark ale uh, was a bit of a challenge. But what our philosophy was, was it was the right beer to make and, and it had the right flavours and, and everything that we wanted out of a beer. And our job was to educate people uh, and talk to people and understand, you know, the flavours and why you're drinking this beer. And, you know, and it's, been, it's been a lot of fun. And the, the beer's still around and still one of the... the beer's still loved. still growing, still blows me away. Uh, always has a, a bit of a spike through winter, uh, being a dark ale, but uh, just keeps on growing, keeps on growing. Uh, very much organic growth. Uh, I don't think we advertise it very much. Uh, and, yeah, it's amazing. It's, it's, our, it's our little hero beer, you know. It's a little beer that could. <laughs> yeah, that's it. How did you get to, to get a job at White Rabbit uh, back back then? I actually, the former Little Creatures head brewer, Alex, I've known him for quite a long time and he just called me up one day, I believe, working at my old job. I was laying underneath the filler, covered in mould and horrible things and not enjoying life and my phone rang and normally I don't answer my phone when I'm underneath the filler. Um, but yeah, it was Alex, he said, man, uh, do you want to come and work in Hillsville? And I said, let me think about that. <laughs> and whereabouts was that, can you say? Uh, it was the uh, it was the uh, old Matilda Bay Garage Brewery in South Dandenong, and obviously a move to Hillsville from South Dandenong has got to be a, a nice change. Yeah, look, it's an area that I've known quite well throughout my life. Uh, I actually spent a bit of time living in Hillsville when I finished school, uh, when I had aspirations to be in a rock band, and uh, yeah, so me and a few mates we had this little bungalow out there and we'd just play music all the time uh, so I knew Hillsville back then and that was I guess in the mid mid 90s or something uh, and my first like unofficial brewing job was at a small brewery in Hillsville called Buckley's uh, who at the time only brewed on the weekends um, and yeah I, I met up with those guys and thought 
oh, this seems like a, a cool cool industry to be in. Can I can I come and help out? And you know, I got paid you know slab of beer a week, and uh, you know it was it was a lot of fun. Living know? the dream. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so and White Rabbit was in Hillsville. There was the white, the dark, the later on the Belgian pale, yep. and a few sort of experiments here and there. I remember there was a some sort of dry hop cask on the bar at Alehouse Project one time. Um, yeah, we, we always tried to do something different, pretty much only for the venue itself, uh, but we'd always have a, star, um, a cask on the hand pump uh, and always trying to do something a little bit different, very, very small. We'd, we'd use our propagator, uh, which is only like a 1,000 litres, to just do these tiny little batches, um, which you know helped us learn, basically. And now it's basically become a sort of full-blown, almost uh, barrel. There's a lot of barrels here. Um, the red ale is something that you guys are starting to push. So I guess is that almost a natural evolution? And, and was that always the plan to, to head down this barrel path? Absolutely. It's something we've talked about for a long, long time. Um, and so it's only now with, the, I guess, the space that we've got here. Uh, we had restrictions on the site at Hillsville as to how wild we could get with our bugs uh, because of the winery next door um, and, and and space primarily. We just didn't have the room there. I think we, we ended up having about 12 barrels in the brewery and they were always in the way and, you know, it was just very difficult. Uh, so, you know, that got us thinking and, you know, now I've been able to make it like a full-time thing, which is really exciting. Yeah, really exciting. Um, we talked a bit earlier about um, the fact that you're really focusing in on the one um, the one beer style. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I guess that's for me, it really goes back to when I first started at White Rabbit and I was told, you know, you're coming from this brewery, Matilda Bay Garage, where, where you've been doing all these wacky, crazy things. You know, you're only going to be making one beer. That's it. And I'm like, you know, I, I don't mind that. I like the idea of getting something right instead of trying to do a million different things at a time and that philosophy I guess is really you know that resonated with me when we started with the barrel program um, and that I didn't want it to be a gimmick as such uh, not saying that barrels are gimmicky but but I really wanted to focus on learning about what we get out of it so making just one beer from the barrels primarily and and learning as much as we can uh, and try and there's so much variation going on within the barrels if we keep the base beer in there the same you know it's just going to help me i'm not a very clever guy so you know keep it simple <laughs> <laughs> um when you guys kind of announced that you're doing barrels and sort of moving down more sour beer path um a few people i think were surprised by that uh, given the you know the big lion ownership and kind of the perception normally is that is going to you know make a brand sort of more down the on the narrow path and you guys have gone the other way um, has that been difficult or, or is that kind of always okay with the the how much can you say about <laughs> that? <laughs> no look uh, the business is a hundred percent behind us they're very very excited about what we're doing here uh, and you know there's, there's no no dramas whatsoever about doing it um, I guess the challenge is fitting it in in the, like the lion mold and you know we've got we're very serious about quality and you know, we're, we're sitting uh, what 50 meters away from the little creatures packaging line that's pumping out you know 18,000 bottles an hour um, and so I can understand that you know they don't want to risk that so so we've had a lot of rigor around 
how we handle the barrels, when we handle them. We basically isolate the brewery. We do it, you know, we, we're not playing with the barrels while we're filtering other beers or racking other beers. Uh, and so, you know, that, that's, I guess, the, the challenge from Lion. But I, I completely understand that, you know, we, we got to realise that we're making a lot of beer here and, and it's only probably half a percent, not even, that's barrel aged and it can have such an impact on the site. So, yeah, uh, but the business is 100% behind it, which is really exciting. And that's as a sort of outsider's um, looking in, you know, we're quite often critical of, of big companies and, and, you know, buying out brands and, but... The freedom that we see Lion giving you, know, you guys and say Emerson's and um, it is actually you know it, it's a positive thing from what I can see. Um, and as a drinker, you know we're sitting here drinking a three percent Berliner Weiss that you've made you know, under that rain and it's, it's delicious and yeah. So it's um, can they, you they even uh, even let me play around with a little bit of the marketing side of things, which is kind of cool. Really? <laughs> <laughs> what, what impact do you have on that? Uh, just thinking about the jackalope, the t-shirt there, you know. It's a bit, bit, bit unusual for uh, for the uh, business to let a random brewer have a <laughs> you know, have a hand in that sort of thing, but uh, you know, it, it's so good fun. Then the jackalope, uh, that was a barrel aged whiskey, barrel aged sour ale. Yeah, so basically, it's the Berliner Weiss, the the Teddy Witty that we're drinking now, uh, aged in um, a freshly, I guess, freshly decanted uh, or racked whiskey barrels from Starwood. Um, uh, Starwood Distillery, or Starwood Whiskey. <laughs> um, sorry about that, guys. <laughs> um, yeah, and look, it, it was a beer that we put together for Gabs, uh, and every year I scratch my hair, head about, you know, what are we going to do for Gabs? There's a lot of pressure from uh, from those guys about letting them know very early on what you're going to be doing, and, you know, I generally do everything at the last minute, and so we were sitting outside uh, one, I don't know, can't remember sometime in summer uh, drinking the Berliner Weiss and one of the chefs at Little Creatures had never had it before didn't know and tasted it and went oh wow this is this is really good you should make a whiskey sour and I was like okay <laughs> I don't know what that is but uh, I got on the phone I think or emailed Sam Slaney from uh, Starwood straight away and said dude can I get some whiskey barrels and he went yep how many do you want uh, so yeah that was the basis of it we, we got the whiskey barrels here we put the the teddy witter in it um, and it just morphed into this incredible thing it's it's been probably the most fun I've had with beer in in the longest time brewers having fun is uh, it's great to it's see a good I, result for everyone when that happens isn't it yeah. I'm just spying in the fridge and I can't see any bottles there and I was hoping there would be some left over so is that all sold out now the jackalope yeah we only made 254 bottles uh, and they went uh, yeah they they're gone <laughs> the Red Ale, you were telling us before earlier about the, the grape uh, juice component. Can you kind of tell us that, that spontaneous fermentation that happens with that? And yeah, so I guess, you know, it's hard to classify what it is, but uh, very much if, if we were making wine, it would be a, a, a wild uh, fermentation. Uh, so we start the same sort of process as I was telling you guys before. Uh, we got some local biodynamic biodynamic uh, Shiraz grapes uh, from a local producer, uh, took it to another local winery where they uh, crushed the grapes for us uh, and we just put them in the pots uh, and allowed a natural ferment to start with all the, the wild yeast and whatever on the, uh, the skins of the, um, the grapes. Then once we saw some, you know, some good active fermentation starting, 
but still plenty of residual sugar. We pressed the, uh, the juice off of the skins, uh, put it in some uh, palicons, funny story to go with that, uh, and brought it back to the brewery. And basically, uh, what we call pitch and inoculate. So like what we do with Little Creatures Pale for the bottle conditioning, similar sort of process. We added some uh, fresh sugar and uh, yeast, wild yeast in this case, uh, into some barrels that already had some red ale in there, fully fermented red ale uh, with a fair bit of residual sugar. Uh, and it yeah, just allowed a secondary ferment in the barrel, uh, which just transforms the beer into this whole other amazing thing. <laughs> and then it gets blended back through the... The uh, I guess unbarrel aged for, for packaging? Yeah, so then we, we go through whenever we're going to make a commercial batch of the red ale. We go through and select different barrels, some, some older stuff and some newer stuff, try and develop a bit of a, a, a flavour that we're looking for from the, the different barrels. Uh, then we add that back into a fresh beer that we've made uh, and ferment the whole lot again together. Um, and then send it out uh, as the final red ale, which is around about... 25% barrel in the in the final beer. So the one we tasted um, from the barrel, the barrel zero, the Goldilocks. The Goldilocks barrel, yeah. Yep. Uh, that was incredible. Yeah, David, really good. We both loved that, didn't mm-hmm. we? Um, really grapey and, and the kind of beer that that we we love. Um, I guess taking that kind of a thing to market is probably pretty difficult in terms of volume and everything like that. Is that I guess accurate? Yeah. Look, it, it's very hard. Very hard to uh, forecast it. Um, you know, one of the things one of the things about the venue that we've got here and where we've got the barrels, uh, we we don't have temperature control, uh, so the you know the business understands that things through winter are happening very slowly, which is good. It's good things happening, but it's happening very slowly. Um, come summer, you know, we haven't had a full summer here with these barrels yet, uh, so I don't know what's going to happen. You know, might be a lot of uh, white rabbit malt vinegar coming. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> So I guess blending is always going to be key to that beer, then. Yeah, that's right. But we we're not going to uh, we're not going to put something out if it if it's no good. If it's no good, then we talk to the business and say, look, sorry, we can't supply. Uh, you know, the red ale is very much. I want it to be a year-round thing, a seasonal. Uh, we had lofty goals to start with to see it in a three thirty ml bottle and sit in the fridge next to dark ale and and white ale and pale. Uh, but the reality is, we we just can't do it. We can't. We just don't know when the beer is going to be ready, so very, very limited release at the moment. But as an ongoing release, so um, yeah, if it starts to you know dry up in trade, you'll know why. It's because uh, I just don't have the barrel stock to play with. You mentioned you've got about a hundred more on the way. How does that uh, change operations? Oh, it's going to make it a bit tighter in the barrel sure. hall. <laughs> uh, look, hopefully it'll just give us more blending capability. We're going to have more different ages of beer um, and yeah we'll be able to spread the culture further and hopefully that'll mean we can expand uh, the you know the, the production of the red ale. You were talking about open fermentation um, and I see a lot of people getting that confused with spontaneous fermentation. Um, can you tell us about open fermentation and, and what it brings to, to your beer? For, for White Rabbit what what the concept for us is it is in a completely controlled environment Uh, it's the open fermenters or open top fermenters Uh, it's about the geometry of the vessel Uh, so less hydrostatic pressure on the yeast uh, to allow it to have more fun as it's fermenting less pressure Um, 
normally I say it, can also hear the music, and I know I can't, <laughs> I can't work without music, so I'm sure yeast is the same. Well, there's someone doing a, a Wu Tang beer at the moment where they're playing Wu Tang into the barrel, and uh, I, 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 I dig that. I, I can see. Why so not? Are you doing a Wu Tang beer? <laughs> <laughs> Have they got a control group to uh, measure the Wu Tangness of I'm the beer? I'm not sure. I, I read the headline and went, I don't want to. I think the headline's enough of that story. I yeah. Think, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, look, the key thing is, and I, I like to have fun with that, but it is, it's about the freedom, uh, it probably sounds a bit naff too, but the freedom for the yeast to express itself. Uh, it's not, I guess it's not bound up, it's not under pressure. Uh, with the open tops, the, the primary thing for me is allowing the top cropping yeast to rise to the top where we crop it. Um, and like I was saying to you guys before, it's, it's beer. That, uh, yeah, not beer. Yeast, <laughs> yeast that makes the beer. Uh, the brewers, you know, give it the right uh, conditions, uh, but you need to look after the yeast, and that's the whole idea for me with the open fermenters, allowing the yeast to really have that freedom, uh, and then we crop it uh, when it's when it's ready to crop. It's a warm crop uh, from the top of the. Uh, from the top of the beer uh, and so that can you know hopefully gives us cleaner uh, fresher you know just just better yeast for subsequent brews um, yeah just looking after the yeast that's what about but you're right Luke it, it's not it's not open the louvers and and let everything wild in it's very much controlled it's it's the brewer's yeast uh, the English ale yeast that we use that is in there and it's about changing the I guess the way it metabolizes the sugars and producing different esters and looking after the yeast. Because shape of fermentation or shape of the vessel is, is huge, right? Like I, I think most consumers probably wouldn't think about it. You see vessels in a, in a brewery and they're all conical and, you know, okay, that's where the beer gets made, but, but that, the conical versus the open and everything, that matters, right? Yeah, that's right. Every time you change the geometry of the vessel, you're changing the surface area and surface area you know, is critical uh, when it comes to fermentation and, and the, the, f the products of yeast fermentation. Um, and so that's what we're looking for. And, you know, by extension with the barrels, you know, that's, that's the same thing. Again, we're, we're changing the surface area uh, in the small barrels, allowing micro-oxidation to happen and, and how that affects, you know, the yeast performance as well. So, yeah. How would you describe White Rabbit as it is now? <laughs> uh, I should have emailed this one ahead. <laughs> uh, look, I can only answer for myself, but um, uh, I'm having a lot of fun. I'm, I'm having a ball. I love, I have loved working for White Rabbit for whatever it is now, six and a half, seven years, and uh, and I'm loving it as much now uh, as I did all those years ago. There's similar but different challenges. Uh, you know, we, we've obviously changed our home now, uh, but I. I, I, I personally love it. I love this, love this venue where we're sitting now. It's just got so much character, and uh, you know, I, I miss the old crew out at Hillsville. But um, you know, we've got a we've got a good team here, uh, and we, I think we're making really good beer and that freedom to to do these new things, which is very exciting. As a more general um, property, it's a huge space. Um, will you guys have access to more space? If you need it? Oh, good question. Um, not really. <laughs> I'm sure there's a few walls I can knock down here and there, but uh, we're, yeah, we're not, not at that stage yet. Um, look, the, sp the space is filling up pretty quickly. We do have some spare areas around here still, but it, it'll be, you know, in terms of what White Rabbit's doing, um, yeah, it'll be a little while before we expand any further. 
Because once you get more barrels, which are on the way, I have a feeling the next thing you don't want is more barrels. And they've got to go somewhere. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> it is interesting. This um, For the people that don't know or haven't been out to the, the Geelong Little Creatures slash White Rabbit facility, it's a really big really big space, right? There's a lot of, lot of room out I here. I believe it's 10 acres all up. Wow. Yeah, and that's all under or owned or leased by... All owned. owned? Yep, we own yeah. the whole thing, yep. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so there's five... I guess factory buildings on site, um, lovingly named buildings A, B, C, D, E. How did they come up with that? <laughs> <laughs> no idea. Geniuses. Um, and we're currently sitting in what's building B, which is right in the heart of the brewery and probably one of the coolest spaces on the site, uh, right underneath the huge chimney stack, which is a bit of an icon around Geelong. Um, and yeah, so I believe it's around about five acres under roof. Um, and yeah, we just it's uh, a lot of space, isn't it? Yeah. Wow! Uh, and pretty much, yeah, we're we're filling it all up very quickly. There's a few spaces still to fill up, and we've got ideas for that. But uh, you know, next door at Creatures, uh, we've just had a massive expansion there, which is uh, really really exciting. Um, yeah, who knows? It's just going to keep growing. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you, you, when you moved in here, you're saying that you expanded the the brew house. You added another vessel. Yeah, so originally the original White Rabbit brew house was the original Little Creatures brew house. Uh, from Fremantle? From Fremantle, the old uh, 50 hectolitre DME kit. Uh, so when we upgraded uh, in Frio, whenever that was, in 2006, 2007, we then moved the, all the brewing gear and the old packaging line over and that became White Rabbit. Uh, and then moving to Geelong... I had the opportunity to uh, throw the old packaging line you know, to the bottom of the ocean, which uh, which was a lot of fun. <laughs> Didn't really, but... Uh, <laughs> you you know, built an artificial <laughs> reef that, the coast That's here. it. Uh, you know, it's kind of nice as a brewer to not have to worry about packaging. So all the packaging for White Rabbit now, we, we pump it from uh, this building here across and it, it's all packaged uh, under the Little Creatures packaging area. Um, and yeah, but that g- gave us more room and we just reconfigured the brew house went from the old three vessel single infusion system and introduced a a dedicated mash vessel Uh, and so that mash vessel gives us a lot of uh, flexibility Uh, we can now do step mashes uh, and most excitingly for us is uh, a lot of our the kettle sour uh, which we do in the mash tun which has become a very versatile uh, uh, piece of equipment for doing our berliner weiss and uh, you know the 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 quick uh, lactic ferments that we've been doing. Um, hey, it's good. <laughs> um, the Berliner Weiss is what we're drinking now, and I'm really enjoying it. And you're saying it, you almost don't think it's sour enough um, at times. Um, but for me, it's you know it's got that real dryness, and it's really easy drinking. As I've pretty much done with mine, and thinking about getting another one already. Um, <laughs> can you tell us a little bit about that beer? Uh, look, it's pretty straightforward. It's uh, I think. Yeah. Roughly 50-50 wheat and pills malt. Um, we then acidify it in the mash tun uh, using our uh, little lactic bugs that we've got. Um, so we got that process down pretty, pro- I'm almost thinking too quickly now, but because uh, uh, we make small batches of this stuff, it's only about 25 hectolitre. Uh, our typical process is we come in, we mash in in the morning, uh, transfer the water ton, run off to the uh, kettle, uh, then... What do we do from there? Then we transfer to the whirlpool, then run from the whirlpool through the heat exchanger, uh, drop the temperature down to 40 degrees, sparge with CO2, run it back into the mash tun, add our uh, lactic culture, 
hold it in the mash tun at 40 degrees with the paddles going um, and then the afternoon shift comes in around about normally about seven o'clock that evening they check it the pH will be down to 3.3 3.4 at that stage uh, so then we heat it up boil it again transfer it into the fermenter and ferment it and it's done in a day so it's pretty cool and makes uh, I think the, I think the key is we we pitch a lot of uh, lactic um, of our culture um, and I think that seems to be the key uh, for doing it and it produces this uh, lovely clean lactic acidity uh, that I can't taste anymore. <laughs> Did you say it was 50-50 wheat and, and pills? pills yeah. right. uh, is it filtered? Because it's really clear. I uh, don't remember. Okay. <laughs> I think we did filter it, actually, but uh, yeah, don't quote me on that. <laughs> it's a reasonably <laughs> um, cool, blustery day, and we are getting through this at a rate of knots, so I imagine this is going to be a little bit beastly come summertime. Are you going to increase any volume with it at that time? We'll see how it goes. We'd like to. We, we have definite plans uh, to put it in bottle. Um, it's just, as usual, um, I seem to be holding things up. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I have a habit of doing that, but uh, yeah. Look, we we will we aim to get it in bottle uh, in the 750 ml bottle, same as our the red ale. Um, it's pretty much just waiting on me to to <laughs> to make it happen. <laughs> in terms of sales, what do you, what is the biggest seller of, of the White Rabbit range? Oh, uh, overall, Dark Ale is still our biggest seller. It's uh, impressive. Like, I yeah. don't know if any other brewery would say be able to say that in Australia. No, it, it just keeps on growing, uh, like I said before. And, yeah, um, it always peaks during winter. Um, and I know we've been struggling the last month or so. Um, we have the, the two open fermenters here in White Rabbit, but we've got additional white ra- uh, open fermenters in at the Little Creatures Brewery. Uh, so we make White Rabbit on both sides, uh, the dark ale. And, yeah. Both sides, we've been flat out making as much dark as we can, and and we keep selling out. So it's, it's really exciting. It's incredible. Um, do you know where most of it goes in terms of states? Ah, uh, no, I, I, no, no I, I don't know. I never leave the brewery. I don't know what's happening outside of here. Um, and what do you see the future now that you've kind of started putting out the red? Um, I know I was chatting to you a, a while back um, at the the Beer Deluxe tastings we did. Um, I know that you really enjoy sour beers and the sort of spontaneous fermentation and that kind of a thing. Do you want that to be the future of White Rabbit or, or where do you see it going? I see it being a, a large part, yeah. I still want, to, still want to take the red and make it consistent and be able to produce it year round and eventually you know, get it into hopefully a small format bottle. That, that's my that's my dream. So that's going to take a lot of time focusing on that, building up the barrels, learning, as we were talking about before, understanding how long we keep it in there, what's going on, how do we make it consistent. Um, and that's, you know, that's that's my ultimate thing. Um, but we'll, we'll play around on the sides. We've got lots of things going on. So we'll hopefully start doing a lot more, I guess, seasonal things that we've never really done before. Any teasers on the seasonal things? Uh, no, nah, still, still locked in my head okay. somewhere. <laughs> or should I say in the brewer's head? So <laughs> I normally ask them for the ideas. I'm like, guys, what do you want to do? And then I take all the credit for it. It's great. Do you guys share staff between Little Creatures and White Rabbit? 
Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yep. So we uh, we have a nice little policy that we try to work on in, around here of rotation. So the guys will work, uh, you know, a little bit of time in packaging, uh, Little Creatures Brewery or in the brewing and cellars and, and over in White Rabbit as well. Uh, so it works well to, I guess, keep the guys energised and doing different things. Uh, it's a bit of a slow process, but um, you know it's 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 good for ev- for the for the brewers to be able to learn and see different processes. Uh, it's got to be a good ed- education as a, a brewer coming in and getting, you know, the, the little creature style and the white rabbit style are quite different. Yeah, that's right. Very very different different levels of automation and just different things going on. Dif- you've got to have a whole different mindset when you're working in white rabbit than you do in little creatures, and they both equally have their own challenges. Um, and yeah, I think the, the brewers, uh, they enjoy that change. Creatures have just started canning. Is that, would that be in uh, a white rabbit future? I'd, lo- I'd love to see dark ale in a can. Yeah. There's no, no talk of it at this stage that I know of, but I'd I would love, love to, to, see to see it. Teddy with it in a can. To be <laughs> yeah, that's a good honest, idea, yeah. actually. I, Golden Plains, Meredith Festival, cans of that would be, uh, oh, yeah. be very fun. Yeah, oh, I'll, I'll pitch that to the business. <laughs> I like that. I hadn't thought of that, actually, but that's that's cool. Pretty much any idea we have these days is put it in a can. So we <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I think cans are a lot of fun. I, I, find, I find myself recently going to a bottle shop and I'm like, I don't know, I'm just looking for cans. It's something, I know there's still a big argument about are they better or not and the quality and all of this, but... I just think they're fun. I and agree with that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but it's happened so quickly. It didn't seem that long ago that if you went and bought six beers in a bottle shop, all of a sudden one can was slipping into your six-pack holder, and then all of a sudden now you're pretty much just taking purely cans home. Mountain Goat, I think, were the first to do. That sounds and, about and right. And it's crazy to think that that summer ale is, you know, a pioneer in that regard because there's cans everywhere now. So yeah, true. Yeah, everyone's doing it. Yeah. Old news. Yeah, exactly. What's next? What are you going <laughs> to um, we're going to start using kegs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah good idea. It's uh, breaking the mould. You're going too far. <laughs> you seem really happy working here. Is that accurate? Look, I am, yeah. And uh, I don't know, maybe just a gratuitous plug to get people to come out and, and experience the venue. You know, we've we've gone to a lot of effort to make it very inclusive. Uh, and again, going back to it, it's an educational part. Nothing nothing is hidden away. Uh, one of one of the, my favourite things we were talking before about moving the brewery from Hillsville to Geelong. One of the best things for me is opening up the open fermenters and giving the public access to those. Uh, they were they were quite hidden in Hillsville, which was a bit of a shame. Uh, so yeah, we've really taken that that openness uh, from Hillsville and and changed it here, moved it, and just made it more accessible. So you can see the entire part of the brewery. The, the barrel hall is actually part of the bar area. So as you walk in, you know, you're, you're walking through the barrels. You've got the stainless steel on one side. It's, it's all there. And, um, yeah, just I'd love to see more people get out here and, and enjoy it. Is it is good to see those open fermenters because, I mean, if you do brewery, I haven't seen every brewery, but I've seen every brewery. A lot of brewery tours are exactly the same, but I've never seen open fermenters like that. So um. we're, we're being <laughs> interrupted by a fan yeah. here. <laughs> that was our uh, our site, uh, one of our site engineers, Leon, who's an absolute legend, um, and has really helped uh, keep the brewery running. Because uh, I don't know, everything seems to break down, and uh, 
And I've got, uh, one of the things, <laughs> I guess another positive, uh, at Hillsville we struggled for engineering support, uh, whereas here we've got engineering on site. So, uh, yeah, I just uh, make a call and Leon's here to fix things. And uh, He had a massive <laughs> smile on his face as well, so I, c- I imagine nothing's broken at the moment. <laughs> uh, maybe a couple of things. But no, no, we're, we're in quite a good place now. We've been, we're coming up uh, uh, October 5th. 2015 was our very first brew so coming up to a year of brewing here in Geelong um, and yeah the, the place is is humming quite nicely at the moment um, do you get to see much of the consumer reaction when you're like do you ever see people over the bar and see them tasting a red or a, a blend of ice for the first time um, probably not as much as I'd like to it was one of the things that we talked about when we first came here and that I tried to instill in the bro- in the brewers you know brewers are elusive creatures and normally you'll find them hiding behind the stainless steel it looks like there's no one here they only come out at night kind of thing but uh, you know I did try to encourage you know if people are hanging over the fence if they're looking interested have a chat to them you know um, and as much it's a philosophy that I love but I probably don't do enough of it um, but you know I hear from the bar guys they're always telling us we work really closely with them and they're always telling us stories of people saying oh you know it's the best Berliner Weiss I've ever had and like yeah you know, thanks <laughs> but it is it's fantastic to, to hear that sort of thing and it you know it really does you're, you're working here you, it's a lot of hard work um, and and when you get that feedback straight away it's really gratifying absolutely and the, uh, the idea of, I guess, people leaning over and, and chatting to a brewer and, you know, with, I guess, sour beers or, or a dark ale, people tend to think they don't like those kind of beers or they don't, they've never had a sour beer or... So I guess that's important, right, to have that interaction and at least have some, as you said, education about, about the beers. It's the key part of what we do here. If you, if someone, you know, if someone was to just go to a bottle shop, open the fridge door and take out, you know, our Berlinerweiss, the Teddy Widder, and they, they didn't know about it, it can be quite confronting. Whereas here we have the opportunity to say, this is what you're about to get yourself into and, and talk about the process. Why are we doing it? How did we get there? Um, and it's amazing to see people just, even you know, even like the dark ale. And I, oh, no, no, I don't drink dark beers. Well, hang on a sec. Let's just talk about that, you know. And then people, they're suddenly like, oh, wow, this is like my favourite beer. Uh, and, and that's what it is for us and, and why a lot of breweries and that, that I guess the whole cellar door thing is because it's a great way to educate people and, and our bar staff here have all come in and done brews with us and they're always, they always come up to me, oh, Jeremy, do you mind if I ask you a question? I'm like, absolutely. I ask, you know, because they are the face, you know, they're what people, people talk to the bar staff here and, and we make sure they're very well educated and so they can tell the story of the beers, which is so critical. Well, they are on top of it because while we... Um had a sneaky little taste of a very secret barrel that no one's going to hear about for a little while. Um, one of the bar staff just came by and said, oh, you guys are getting the special treatment. So they know which barrels are which. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and even the, the feel of this place, um, other than the, the footy trip guys that were, what time did we get here? About 11.30? About 11.30 and, and they and were well on the way. Luckily, they moved on they from White Rabbit. On, yeah. We've um, got a lovely uh, family environment in here. Well, and that was, other than those guys, and that is not reflective of the vibe here, there's, um, there's families, it looks like tourists coming in, and it's very relaxed, similar to last week we were at Stomping Ground and chatting to those yep. guys. It's that same kind of, it feels welcoming. 
Uh, and it's not just about the beer, it's about a nice nice space, right? Yeah, that's what we've tried to do here, definitely. And it's refreshing that that's, um, that's changing, you know. It's, it's not just people swilling beer, it's good beer. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. And it's really close to South Geelong Station. There's no reason why people shouldn't come out here. Yeah, it was like a 10-minute walk, isn't it? Something like that, yep. If you're out west of Melbourne, an hour from Footscray. From Footscray, I think I paid 17 bucks on the Mikey for the V-Line for a trip out and a trip back, so it's no barrier. Yep, yep. Do you live out here now? I do, actually, yeah. I um, uh, bought a house in Belmont, just over the river, um, which was fantastic until about a week ago when we had huge amounts of rain and the river flooded and uh, <laughs> we were actually on flood watch here which was pretty oh, exciting wow. actually uh, for the, the brewery for as the well. brewery yeah, wow. yeah yeah but it meant my uh i normally walk to work uh, along the river but uh i didn't have a kayak so uh yeah i had to, had to, not <laughs> had to drive to work all week but uh, yeah no it's, it's a good little area being able to walk to work along a river has got to be it's really good yeah I got uh, got some mates that work at a brewery in uh, Northern Rivers of uh, New South Wales. Is that what they call it? <laughs> Which one's that one? The uh, Stone. Oh, <laughs> oh, those guys. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah somewhere near Byron. Uh, I think somewhere near Byron. Uh, I remember recently they put out a little video of uh, the brewers there. My old mate Neil and you know their lifestyle and Neil jogging along the beach or whatever. And I was like, well, hang on. I was walking along the Bowen River in Geelong, and you know there's pelicans in the water and stuff and the sun was coming up I'm like well you know what it's pretty similar in south geelong <laughs> <laughs> if you've had an ordinary day if you walk home by the river it's probably tough to hold on to that once you get home eh? i typically uh you know listen to some lovely brewing podcasts i'll probably have to listen back to this one uh, <laughs> as i'm walking along the river and uh, yeah look it's a great way to relax and unwind on the way home and and also you know i get to work in the morning and i'm fresh and vibrant and ready to go and tackle the little beasties in the barrels and you know it's it's, it's what great. a lifestyle um dave you got any more questions no i don't do you have anything you wanted to add before we wrap up jeremy uh, no, I think we should just uh, have another beer before you guys go and get set in with the dog days. What and, a wonderful uh, idea. Sounds like a great plan to me. Um, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I really enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, we enjoyed this. Really enjoyed uh, the Goldilocks barrel. So, I don't know, if any bottles of that unblended stuff make it out, uh, keep us in mind. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep you posted. <laughs> Thanks very much, guys. Thank you so much. Welcome back. Wasn't that a fun chat? We should have done a thing where we wrap up and say, back to you, Luke and Dave. I reckon next show probably we'll try that. Um, There's a Brazilian food truck here. What's the yes. cuisine in Brazil? Uh, I don't know. I imagine some sort of barbecue. Oh, there's a $15 meal deal, though. I don't know what that comprises of. but They always have a food truck here. Yeah, it yeah. rotates every, every week. We were just talking about the, the prices of the pints here. Uh, very good. I don't know anywhere where I can get a pint. And it's a proper pint, I believe. It looks like a, like yeah, a shaker I mean, pint. I don't know what you want from life, yeah. Um, and it was, I got, you got a Pilsner, I got an IPA, and it was less than 20 bucks. Yep, $9.50 for an Australian IPA. I mean, granted, the, the chop is 7%, and there's got to be a lot of hops in there. That's $12 a pint. Which is still pretty cheap. Yeah. Compared, like, um, uh, these days, for a big... So the equivalent American beer, we're gonna, people are going to pay 18 bucks or something and be happy with it. For sure. And... Fucking fresh as hell. Pre- oh, my God. So, um, good. it's a good spot for a few beverages. Yeah. God bless the uh, craft beer revolution, huh? Yeah. Now, what do you got? Do you want to kick off recommendations? 
Ooh, I can have a recommendation or two. Um, what would you like to start with? A bit of beer, a bit of non-beer? Let's go beer. Let's, Let's go we'll beer. Wrap up with non-beer. All right. I'm going to go with a beer that I only had maybe 30 mils of, and I'm still prepared to recommend it, just because I think there's a chance it could be good. Okay, love it. I can't confirm this, but if you're ever out and you see the new batch of a Mornington Belgian IPA, they've done a couple of Belgian IPAs, and I haven't loved them, but this particular one is more Belgian than IPA. So it's more like the classic, uh, very big yeast characters. I was really impressed with it. And it's super fresh, so the hops are popping a little bit. But I imagine that given how yeast forward the beer is, if the hops drop off a little bit, it will not matter at all. So um, right. I don't know anything about it, if it's going to be keg only or it's been bottled in the past, I think. Yeah, they. I saw a few IPAs on tap. Yeah, and yeah, a photo I saw a, a photo too, back. yeah. I know they've got... Fuck, I don't have no to say this yet, but oh, I'm going to say it anyway. Hey, they've got a hazy um, IPA, eh? No, they've got a session IPA coming up in oh, cans right. um, to fill the gap between the, the IPA and the and the pail. Okay. Um, I wonder how it'll do in Queensland. Sorry? I wonder how it'll do in Queensland. I imagine yeah. that it'll do pretty well in mm. Queensland. If you're in Queensland, tell us what you think. Too right. Um, but oh, yeah, yeah, no. You but don't uh, haven't tasted yet. But <laughs> definitely keep your eye out for the, this particular version of the Belgian IPA because it's um, pretty delicious in my books. Awesome. I will. It's what great. about you for a beer rec? Um, I mentioned it at the top of the show and I really enjoyed it and I think it's going under so many radars at the moment. Um, the Sierra Nevada Otravez. It's so good. And There's not many grapefruit edition beers that are delicious. Grapefruit? Yeah, it's grapefruit in Ultra. Oh, right. Yeah. And I thought um, it was just all cactus. Is there grapefruit in there as well? Definitely, definitely grapefruit. Uh, but oh, I should have mentioned them in the news. Uh, news Hindsight, they've, they've, they're putting fruit in all their flagship, their Sierra Nevada. Oh, they're doing the versions torpedo. of it like uh, Sculpin have done? Yeah, right. yeah. And basically why that is is they're losing market share with their classics. Interesting. Hmm. Um, I'll be keen to follow that and see how, the, how it goes for them. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. It almost would seem... Look, I'm going to say it. It sounds like a desperation move. Almost. But it also... I mean, like, they're so good at, like, planning for the long term. I mean, like... They, like... Have some of the most unbelievable oxygen management to keep their beers fresh in the long term. They've got so much sustainability plans. Like, I feel like the fruited... Not fruited beer thing, but, like, classic favourites with fruit additions. I feel like people are going to get tired of that shit... Yeah. So quickly and then return to the classics. So you, you would have, I don't know. It seems out of character for them. Yeah. Um, it feels reactive rather than proactive. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I'm sure they're going to be really delicious because, like, no matter, no matter, say, like, Torpedo might not be my favourite beer, I'm not disappointed to be drinking it if I ever have it. Um, and that's probably... Did you say with the pale as well? Yeah. Super keen to try some different yeah, versions of the yeah, pale. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, cool. Yeah, That's kind of fun. See how that pans out. But yeah, Otravez, um, yeah, available nationally in Dan Murphy's. So even if yeah, you're yeah. regional, you can fucking get a, a Goza regionally now. Isn't that like how good is that? Bananas, um, yeah. And it's really reasonably priced, and yeah, delicious, delicious, it's a delicious beer. Yeah. So I, I think I'm surprised how little reaction that beer is getting, and I think people wanted some sort of big sour monster. But it's a gozer. They're not supposed to be crazy uh, I don't sour. mind. I, I don't mind the fact that it's sort of like a bit of a slow build. I feel like if it was if it burst on the scene and people drank heaps of it off the bat, they'd stop drinking it a bit. 
But if it just like if it keeps becoming like one of the six that you buy, yeah, I reckon yeah. that's going to be a strong. Um, well, see, I had one in a out of you know a whole bunch of other beers, and I wish I had got a six pack of it. Definitely. Yeah. Um, you know, if there weren't so many good options in cans, that's a real winner for a summertime park for beer, sure. um, and it might end up being a summertime park beer. If they can that, woo! Yeah. We're on to some non-beer, Rex. Yeah, eh? what do you got? Uh, I know we are... Um, we pretty much always are doing some sort of hip-hop or a Netflix recommendation. So I'm not going to stray from the norm. Season 2 of Narcos is upon us. It's great. It's so good. I watch it and I have... I, I, do I you know, did you know much about uh, What's-His-Face going into it? A little bit. I probably knew more than more than zero, but um, obviously, like I learned a lot, and like it really bugs me that like he's a really likable character in the show, and you really have a lot of empathy for him. It's ridiculous because he's such a nasty piece of work. As far as like just the production of a TV show goes, I feel like it's one of the best overall performances. But then I was thinking, maybe if I was native to that language, it'd be terrible. Oh, yeah. I don't know. In terms of the language and like the accents and like everything? If, if, I don't know. Maybe like if I knew what that was happening, yeah, I yeah. wouldn't be so like drawn in by the realism of the performances. But like, I'm a, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, it's so enjoyable though. And the second season is just as good as the first. Awesome. I'll check that out. I, first, I think I didn't love for a start but stuck with it and I ended up really enjoying yeah, it yeah well I think the tendency for me with TV shows is I really enjoy a slow burn yeah. so um, it's a bit, it's a bit like then. that yeah well I, yeah so I just finished the first season of Bloodline as well so I'm pretty keen for the second of that we gave up on the second season right and okay. I think both of us we, we waxed and waned and both of us kind of waned at the same point we say oh, fuck it what did you not enjoy about the second season I don't know it's just just, I guess it lost us, I think. Right. But I think I'd like to finish it. Do you think it was because, like, there was an evolution from such innocence at the first start of the first season, and then Danny comes in and ruins everything? Yeah, maybe. And just makes everything complicated. And then, the, the, like, the idea of the second season is, like, you're starting from all these complications, and who, where is it going to go from there? Because yeah, I had maybe. that, I had that yeah. with Weeds. Did you watch yeah, Weeds? Yeah, yeah. I much I enjoyed the first like three seasons and then it was like too much for me. Well, I think I'm definitely a fan of things when nothing happens, and I just like the characters. I like watching the characters do okay. things. The movie Days and Confused is a okay. perfect example. Yeah, nothing like nothing really happens in that movie. It's great. Yeah, if one of them gets murdered halfway through, oh, it's a problem that I don't need in this movie. I want to relax. So maybe that's maybe that's it. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, I feel like we're not qualified to talk TV. And we just did it for a long time. Uh, non-beer. And I, I got some mail that you were... Say it like I sent you a letter. I know. Uh, I was you know, so hyped for this, I sent you a letter. I know. But no, I think what it is, is currently is AFL trade period. And all the pundits say that the mail they received. So I'm trying to fit in and be cool like that. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, you were hyping this non-beer recommendation as maybe... Greatest of all time we've had. Yeah, it's an all timer. All right, it's an all timer. It might be the I'm best. I'm so excited to hear what it is. Um, normally, I'd like to downplay these things, but fuck it, I'm going wow, for it. Wow, yeah, you really hyped it up. So, toast is good. Everyone knows that toast is good. Toast and jam, toast and whatever you like on it. What's Vegemite, your favorite honey. toast? Oh, maybe I'll let you speak. Yeah. Sorry. 
Maybe like I was going to yeah, ruin yeah. it oh, by look, my look, lead question. Let's yeah. say Vegemite. A Vegemite, it's a Solid. perennial winner. Yep. If you're not a Vegemite jam, it's, it's delicious. Oh, and you're not a peanut butter fan, are you? Not a peanut butter fan. This would work equally well with peanut butter. Oh, oh, oh shit, okay. Do you butter before you do peanut butter? Absolutely not. Like, yeah. You don't? No. Okay, then it would not work with peanut butter. Okay. But I do butter before Vegemite, so go, okay. please so, continue. Yeah. So basically, it boils down to butter on hot toast, delicious. You don't need to add anything if you've got fresh hot toast and butter. Put your toast in. When it pops, take the first one out, butter it really quickly, eat it, leave the other one sitting in the toaster, maybe put it down for a little bit more, take that out, and you've eaten this delicious buttery toast, then put your topping on the second one, you realise how much better it is to have Vegemite or honey on the second bit of toast after you've just had butter on it. It makes the, the next bit of toast better and it comes out and you get it hotter as well. So what do you do with the second one? So do you put butter on the second one? Mm-hmm. You just do it like normally, like butter and Vegemite or butter and jam. So you just eat hot buttered toast. Yep, which is enjoyable. Okay. And but so not as enjoyable as the topping of the next one. So you just, cr- uh, all right. It's like a little, like an like a entree for the delicious. Right. So you get your mouth ready with something that's already pretty good. Okay. And then you escalate the flavor. And you're also like economically preserving your preserves for one. Of oh, yeah. I guess if you're in a premium preserves. Might not sound good. Give it a shot. It'll it'll make you appreciate. How I reckon much everyone. I scratched my head, literally. Then so maybe a whole bunch of people out there are scratching their heads and maybe go. I'll try that and see yeah. if he's, yeah. what he's talking about is worthy of greatest recommendation of all time. One of the keys to this is the heat of the toast. So okay, hot toast is great. Possibly let me like answer some questions for the listeners. Yeah. With your second bit of toast, you said leave it in the toaster or like leave put it, the it down so again. So it's getting the residual heat. Sure. So but you said I'll put it down again. Yeah. What condition do you want your second bit of toast to be in? So put it down again for a couple of seconds to let it like warm up again. Because one of the problems is the whole time your toast is out, you're buttering it, you're losing heat. Oh, so you don't want to further toast it if it's been, if it's been popped it's, yeah, yeah. and subject to the elements, you yeah. want to give it a bit more just to get it back to its original condition. Yeah. yeah. So ideally... Same level of hot toast for both yep. phases. Yeah. So it's all about hot toast and escalating that flavour to the max flavour for the right. second bit. Okay. That's intriguing. What sort of bread do you have with your toast? Uh, we get like a high tin situation from a bakery. What um, sort of bread though? White mostly. Oh, I'm really? For a seated. But I'm know, like, like a white I sourdough. I never have white bread. It's like a, a sourdough situation, so it's... You know, fancy. I've got a soil-in thing happening at the moment, so... Um, yeah, yeah, it works equally. Probably almost works better because you get those seeds when they're hot. Sure. Oh, man. Peanut butter on soil-in toast, yeah. my friend. Yeah. Toast, uh, bread is a sore point in our house, so I'm not going to go into it. Why? I'll do it off my... It's not... Okay. It's, it's just not worth I it? I just recommended toast. I yeah, can't okay. go deeper. Oh. Um, we're, if we're on the internet, Dave, what, yeah, how do we Should we be, you? like, perusing uh, GeoCities mm-hmm. and looking for some fresh content? Yeah. Where do we go? Uh, you can find my good self uh, and my bad self on Twitter and Instagram at MelbDave. All right. Um, and you can find the show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash ale of a time. We are doing our best to put out some live content, which maybe we'll do. Do you want to do it now? No, I, I can't s- be bothered. I'm hearing, seeing no in your face. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think we need to plan a proper, sure. proper thing. Okay. We have discussed getting a selfie stick for that purpose. 
Yeah, and I don't know. You don't if look I'm convinced. Well, I, I just don't fun. know the value. Maybe it's fine. I just don't know if we need. It. You just mimed it, and yeah. I, I get it. I get how you use it. Sorry, like, I don't know if you know how to use a selfie stick, Dave. Sure, but like we've sort of got our own like selfie stick arms that we can use. I was uh, at a punk rock show last night, and there was a lot of people crowd surfing. My, I'm, I'm quite short. Like I'm not tall, and my arms aren't long. I was. I'm, I realized how inadequate I was. When people are crowd surfing. Oh, so you were like putting your arms up just so you know, everyone knew you were involved. I, but then yeah, you're like, I wasn't I'm really. I'm not putting any purchase on this. There's a couple of times yeah. that I wasn't helping. And there's just a lot of tall people at this gig. And I, I, yeah, I felt a little bit inadequate. What would you say average crowd surfer's duration is up there? Uh, I guess it depends on the show. Yeah. For a solid punk rock show, five seconds. Okay. But it, is. it depends on if whether or not if they curl up into a ball which so many people do and so many people just fucking just panic yeah okay yeah. fair enough or you you're to even out the weight distribution you've got yeah. to flatten yourself out as much as possible jeebus people so hear this right with five seconds at the last King Gizzard show that I was at it was the greatest show that I've ever seen live and I went up for my favourite song and I was up for a song and a bit. Wow, which that's is nice. pushing four minutes. Yeah, nice. Bananas. Yeah, that is Never, good. Everyone was just involved. <laughs> Loved it. I feel like as much as that was a fun moment, it's also the end of the show. Yeah. Yeah. 